good, everybody. Welcome to the Gold Diggers podcast, part of the Niners Nation podcast network. Happy Friday. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. With me, as always, Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey. We are past the NFL draft. Uh, day three was the longest day of my entire life. <laughs> so long. Can I just share for you? So day three of the draft, I was like, okay, we'll do the picks. We'll do some instant reaction podcasts. And then I made plans to go to my mom's to celebrate her birthday, which was that weekend. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll go over there at like three o'clock. It'll be all wrapped up. Nope, not even close. It took like the longest time ever. And so I ended up like freaking out and trying to get all my stuff done. It was a cluster and it was felt like the longest round of the draft ever. Oh, it was so long. I had to work the whole thing. And it just like there was a point when we got into the fifth round and I couldn't even believe that's how long the fourth round took. Like I was like, we still have three rounds. Of this draft. <laughs> I love the first two days, everything about it. I, like, I don't care how long those go, but once you get into day three and then like they had like the blue man group, like I do hate the, all that. Like, like I was like, this is just too much. Put in your picks and let's go. Right. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> the first round went by like lightning. I felt like we were halfway yeah. through the, the first five picks went by in like less than an hour. It was crazy. And then we get to day three when there's five minutes between picks and it was taking forever. It was just a really weird. Apparently the Lions got in trouble. The NFL told them you pick too fast. Yeah. Which I infuriates me. Um, they usually the teams like to wait on the pick because they know that all the networks are talking about them. So yeah. they like to get the airtime basically, but the lions are like, Aiden Hutchinson is still there. Holy crap. <laughs> I don't know what could happen, but we're picking him now. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I like it as a viewer to me. It's better. Move it along. Let's go. I got stuff to do, make the picks. You know, there's plenty of time to analyze them. It is what it is. All right. Uh, before we get rolling here, we're going to talk about obviously the Niners draft class, an overall kind of 10,000 foot view of how the 49ers treat players and if it could come back to bite them. And we're going to take a sneak peek because the next time Michelle and I talk, we will have the 49ers schedule for 2022. Michelle has an early pick for how she wants the Niners to start the year. So we'll get into that before we go. But we always say, Please, please, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you take the time to leave a review, we take the time to read it. The past few reviews, not going to lie, have been very critical of me. People are not happy. I am single-handedly wrecking the Niners Nation Podcast Network star rating on Apple Pods. Uh, but we got this one from Sawyer Connor. Great podcast, five stars. You guys give all the facts. My favorite is 49ers and five. The Niners need to pay Debo what he wants. It doesn't matter what you think, Debo. It doesn't matter what you think. Debo is their star wide receiver. Thanks for the great podcast. Sawyer, thank you. And $25 million, if that's what they pay him for a year, is going to be nothing in a few years. It's going to be a steal. So just pay the man. Let's start there. Uh, because the Niners seemingly things with Debo are good. He's following the team again on Instagram. It looks like they are on their way to, you know, repairing that relationship. But the Niners and kind of the Browns have been the only two teams this year, Michelle, who have had players basically say we want out and they've pretty much refused to do it. Um, we've seen a lot. AJ Brown, Hollywood Brown. If you're unhappy, teams generally now it seems like our going to accommodate your request the Niners do not treat players that way are you surprised and do you think it could be an issue you know they keep acting like these players aren't humans I feel like over this past couple seasons or so 
And I do think this could come back to bite them in the butt uh, when it comes to free agency. You know, if they they start seeing how players are treated in a certain organization, it might be hard to talk those big free agents into coming there when they're like, eh, you know, they haven't really worked with them lately. It, it, it could get a little iffy moving forward. The crazy thing is it seems like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have gone out of their way to try and build up a good culture inside the building. They do do other things that players like that they notice like Richard Sherman did wasn't going to reach his incentive whatever it was for games played or passes defended I don't remember what the specific thing was but he did wasn't going to reach it and they paid him anyway stuff like that does matter to players that stuff does help with the culture but when you like the Jimmy Garoppolo situation is a perfect example short of somebody blowing an ACL and getting hurt, I think eventually what they're going to do to him is they're either going to do two options, none of which will probably make Jimmy Garoppolo happy. They're either going to say, we want you as a backup because we're not getting the trade that we want, but we're not paying you $25 million. So either we're going to cut you or you're going to have to take a massive, like a $15 million pay cut. Yeah. And then, so there's that right there. It's with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's with Debo Samuel. And then we were talking before we even got on the podcast about D Ford. You think he could be cut or released. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't they have just already done that? And you're like, okay, you could wait till the June 1st, but you could already do that and designate it to be an after June 1st to get your money. Obviously you can't use it till then. So maybe that's why they're holding out, but you have to think about the player here. If you already know you're going to cut him. You have to give him a shot to go find another team before all the spots are filled up. Like if you really, their plan is we're definitely going to cut them. Then what's, what's taking like just do it then like you, treat these people like human beings that are actually, you know, they're doing this for their job and they need to make money and it should be okay. If we're going to cut him, cut him soon. So he can go find another position somewhere else. The only thing I could think of is that they know, and I think D Ford knows that he can't play anymore, that he's going to have to retire because his back is just so bad. But again, they still could cut him with a post June one designation. So I don't know. I don't know why they aren't or haven't, but I don't think he's going to be on the roster. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't know if they specifically, like, I don't think D Ford is looking to latch on with another team. I think he knows he's done, but they still could cut him right now. And I don't know why they haven't. Yeah, I guess if he is planning to retire, then it doesn't really matter anyways. But if, you know, players can be stubborn, I'm sure he thinks maybe there's something still left in the tank. Maybe he tries to, you don't think so? You think <laughs> no. he's just completely done? No, I think, I mean, he might think that, but the guy cannot get on the field. Um, so, yeah, it's, I could see both sides of it. I could see the 49ers saying, hey, look, we do X, Y, Z. And I could see some players being like, hey, look, what, you know, why haven't you done X, Y, Z for us? Um, I do think that things changed with the Jimmy Garoppolo situation based on what John Lynch said on KMBR, talking about how the Jimmy injury situation brought things to a screeching halt. Levin said it weeks ago, and I think he's right, that the nine, he thinks that the Niners had a deal worked out for Jimmy and were finalizing it and firming it up, and Jimmy did not want to go wherever they were talking about trading him. And so he was like, oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to have surgery. And then there goes the trade value. That stops all discussions. I'm willing to bet if I had to pick a team that that team was Washington. And I will say forever, I do not blame Jimmy Garoppolo for slamming the brakes on that because that organization is a dumpster fire from the top down. And I don't blame anybody that would not want to go there. 
yeah, I would have done the same thing if I was Jimmy Garoppolo, for sure. We'll see how it all works out. I hope that we get a Debo situation resolved pretty soon. The contract should take two seconds to finalize. A.J. Brown did not even know that going to Philadelphia was a possibility until the first night of the draft. Yet somehow they were able to, one, get him to agree to go there, two, work out a contract in seven hours. So the Debo Samuel deal should not take long to create. So I hope that they don't wait till July. There's no reason to wait till July. And people will point to, well, they've been paying these guys. But then we also heard that Trent Williams' whole situation was miserable as well. And then Mm -hmm. he finally had to talk to Kyle Shanahan. It's like, just because you end up paying them, it's like, you don't have to make this experience so miserable for the person. And I do think free agents are like, they do keep track of this stuff and they're going to keep an eye on how different teams and different coaches treat players. They, I just read an article today about which coaches uh, or which players coaches want. Yes. Which players want to play with which coaches in the NFL the most. Mike Tomlin was at the top of the list with four. I don't remember seeing Kyle Shanahan on that list. I think with when you're talking about splitting hairs, right? That stuff matters. If it's a matter of like, hey, the 49ers are going to offer X amount of dollars. Yeah, if they're going to pay him the most, else. you really want to be in that situation though, where you had to pay more just because of free agents. Like, ugh. no, but I, what I mean is like, I don't think it affects every free agent signing. But if it's like, especially like a guy like a Tyron Matthew, right, where like veteran guy, you know, looking for specific things towards the end of his career. And he's going to be like, the money's going to be similar. I've made a bunch of money in my career. So that's not maybe the most important thing. And then it's like, well, you know, how do they treat people? You know, when you're 35, you know, 36, that matters a lot more than when you're 24, 25, 26. Just like now, like when I go to a restaurant now, and maybe it's because I'm like the old dude, service has become way more important to me, like way more important to me. I want you to be nice, accommodating, you know, stop by the table at the, the right amount of times before in my twenties, I was like, I don't care if I ever see you just drop off my food and get the hell out. Well, also that could be like the same type of thing. Like they could, they could treat you like a jerk the whole time. And then they'd be like, what? I got your food. You got all your stuff. What do you care? It's like, <laughs> right. well, it would have been a much more enjoyable experience if you were nice and accommodating throughout the process. And then I would be more likely to come back and tell other people that it was really good and have them come. But yeah, I got my food. Cool. Thanks. I could get that anywhere. Right. That's the minimum level of service. Like if you you don't bring me my food, then what the hell are we doing? So yeah, it's the same thing. Like, thanks for finally giving me my money. I probably could have got it anywhere. It would have been nicer to have a better experience. So we'll see. I think we'll learn a little bit more about how this eventually ends up coming together. I think Debo realized there, it wasn't, there was nowhere for him to go. They were never we'll going to see move how on. long his contract is that he signs. I think that will be telling if he signs a one or two year contract, it's saying, okay, I'll, I'm clearly not going to get traded. I want my money, but I don't want to stay here long-term. Hopefully they can get him under contract for four or five years. It's entirely possible too, right? Maybe the, one of the ways that they got him to come back to the bargaining table is like, look, we'll, we're not getting rid of you this year, but we recognize that you playing on $4 million is absurd. We'll pay you more money, maybe for one or two more years, and then we'll go our separate ways. And that maybe we'll have to see. You know, I don't know. We'll see how much it works out and how long the deal and like the real numbers of the deal and not the bogus puffed up crap that that always gets thrown out. Like how long is the actual deal? When are the outs? 
we'll find out all of that stuff. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive into some of the draft class. I think I'm going to defend the draft a little bit more than you are, but I think it's going to be fun. So stay with us. We'll do that when we come back. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast. All right, we are going to dive into the 49ers draft class, but this is our betting and fantasy show here on the Niners Nation podcast network. So let's take a quick look at the odds for offensive and defensive rookie of the year. These are from our friends at DraftKings. Your boy, Michelle, Kenny Pickett, number one best odds for rookie of the year. He is at plus 500. If you don't know, that means you bet $100 and you win $500. Traylon Burks is tied for second at plus 750 with Drake London. Then it's Christian Watson at plus 800, Brees Hall at plus 900, and then there's three receivers at plus 1,000. Sky Moore, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave. What do you like, or who, I should say, do you like for Offensive Rookie of the Year? So Kenny Pickett makes sense. I get why he's the top, because if he does start, if he beats out Mitch Trubisky, he's on a good team. He's on a good roster. He has a lot of weapons, a lot of weapons to pass to now after the draft. And then, you know, Mike Tomlin doesn't lose. There's that whole thing. So really all he has to do is go in there and not absolutely suck and win some <laughs> games. And he's the most likely of these quarterbacks to get a start and be on a good team. So I can see why he's first there. I wouldn't put a bet on it. A guy I like is Matt Corral. He's at plus 1,800. And if you're talking about a quarterback that can start right away, I mean, Matt Corral's competition is Sam Darnold. Right? <laughs> the one way this gets ruined is if they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or if they trade for Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. So maybe I wait, wait it out a little bit to see if they make those trades. But if his competition is only Sam Darnold, I feel pretty good about that. And Matt Corral was really good at Ole Miss. And he's a playmaker. He has a big arm. He has a leg. So he can do well. And we saw Sam Darnold was okay when he had Christian McCaffrey, right? He started off the season okay, because CMC can get so many yards after the catch that you don't really have to do a whole lot. Just hit him. And then he'll have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson as well. He's in the NFC, gets a bunch of easy opponents. So if I'm going to bet on one of these quarterbacks, I don't really feel great about just plus 500 for Kenny Pickett. I'd go a little bit stronger there with the plus 1800 on Matt Corral. Plus, Kenny Pickett's going to have to play other teams in the AFC who are really, really, really good. So that's not going to be any fun. The division's really hard. You have worse weather than Carolina. Um, I will say, like, so you always go with the $100 to win $500. My brain always does the $10 because, like, I'm not (laughs) betting $100 on a thing. So, like, if you put $10 on Matt Corral and he wins, you win $180. That's pretty good. Talk about, yeah, what are you willing to lose versus what you could get? Sky Moore is fascinating to me only because he's going to be playing in Kansas City and they're going to chuck the ball around a million times. Mahomes is going to make plays. He's going to make off schedule plays, which are usually deeper throws down the field at plus a thousand for Sky Moore. Uh, that might be where I go. I know Christian Watson's plus 800 and he's got Aaron Rodgers, but like there's still nobody really in Green Bay in Kansas City. They have Marquez Valdez Scantling. They have Miko Hardman. They have Travis Kelsey. So Sky Moore is going to face, you know, worse defenders than Christian Watson is going to face in Green Bay. I think I might go Sky Moore. Do you think he's going to get enough targets to be able to like put up a rookie of the year type of performance? Because he has the same odds as Chris Olave, and I would rather go Chris Olave with those odds. Jameis Winston, we've seen him like 
utilize his wide receivers where they have massive seasons like True. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So yep. even if Michael Thomas comes back, I think that's even better for Chris Olave. He'll have more open opportunities. And then there's no one else really there. I mean, no other wide receivers worth naming, no tight ends. Kamara could be suspended, which would take a lot of targets away. Uh, so I really like his opportunity there. That's so fair. if I'm going to bet on the same odds, I'd like Chris Olave just a little bit better. Yeah, you may have may have sold me. And by the way, New Orleans better hope that he's that good because they I gave mean, up yeah. a ton to get him. Um, but I actually like the defensive rookie of the year odds much. I feel like it's there's much better bets for my money. Um, looking at the Who list. Who are you going with? I'm interested to hear your your pick here. Okay, so Aiden Hutchinson is first at plus 450. Then it's Kayvon Thibodeau plus 500. Javon Walker plus 600. Kyle Hamilton plus 800. Jermaine Johnson the second plus 800. Devin Lloyd plus 800. And Quay Walker plus 800. I'm going off the board, though, with those. I think it might be Sauce Gardner at plus 1,000. That was mine. How weird is that? It's about interceptions. You could give up a ton of yards... And voters do not care. If you get a lot of interceptions, look at uh, what's-his-face in Dallas last year. Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs got worked a lot of the time, but he had 11 interceptions, and that's what people remember. I like Sauce. I think that he's going to be, first of all, he's going to be on the field a lot because I don't think the Jets' offense is going to be very good. But I think he's a really good player, a smart player. At plus 1,000? Yeah, I'll throw that down. I'll throw my hundred bucks down on sauce. Yeah, I wouldn't put that much on it, but if I was betting, I, I do like Ahmad Gardner's or Sauce Gardner's odds the most, plus one thousand. That's nice early draft pick. Um, and I do think the Jets will be a better team this year. They really filled a lot of their holes. It all comes down to Zach Wilson, obviously making that jump. Uh, but I think if he can come down with some turnovers, which are always iffy, right? We don't know if that's going to happen, but he is like a shut down corner. At least he was in Cincinnati Mm -hmm. and the jets are a huge market. So people are going to have an eye on him. And if he's even just shutting down guys and he gets three or four picks, like I think that's enough, right. For him to get this attention and be up there in the odds of winning uh, defensive rookie of the year. I will say probably Aiden Hutchinson. It's boring since he's a top one plus 450. He should have a ton. Like it comes down to sacks or interceptions, right? And Aiden Hutchinson was a sack machine in Michigan and his pressure rate was high. I think Detroit, the Lions, that defense is going to give him every opportunity to just get after the quarterback nonstop. And if he can do that, he's likely going to win. When it comes to defensive rookie of the year, it's almost always a top drafted guy. It's like, yeah. it, it's always a guy in the top 20 picks, normally in the top 10, normally right at the top of that draft. So like when you're looking at Drake Jackson for the 49ers, he's at plus 3000. Oh but my the last, goodness. The last time you might say, okay, across from Nick Bosa, that's a really, like really good odds. He could get a lot of sacks, but we have to go all the way back to 1988 to find a defensive rookie of the year that wasn't drafted in the top 40 picks to win this award. That's just the top 40 picks. Uh, And he was 61, obviously. So much further down. But 1988 Jets safety Eric McMillan was the last guy to be drafted after the first 40 picks and win that award. Hmm. What about Lewis Seen? He was the last pick of the first round. He's plus 3,500. That'd be interesting. Um, Let me say one more thing on Sauce, because I think that the position he plays could help him if he is good. 
he's going to be matched up against another glamour position, right? In wide receivers. Like it's one thing for Aiden Hutchinson. No one's going to look and say, oh, he got one sack against this left tackle. Or, but with Sauce, you throw up that graphic, right? Oh, he's like, look at the Jets schedule. They're going to play the Bengals. So it's going to be Jamar Chase or it's going to be T Higgins or it's going to be one of their receivers that he's going up against. Uh, they play the Patriots. They don't have the greatest wide receivers. Maybe that's not the best yeah. example. The Buffalo they play Bills. The Bills. Yeah, Stephon Diggs. Diggs. They play the Bills twice. Like they play. They play Tyreek Hill now twice. Right. With Dolphins. So they play the Minnesota Vikings with Justin Jefferson. The Broncos have good This receivers. might be a reason why not to bet on him though, right? Because well, he could also get destroyed by these really great wide receivers. Maybe. But I mean, if you're betting on him, you also think he's going to be as good as advertised. So if he is a lockdown corner, like the momentum will build very quickly because every Jets game, they're going to throw that graphic up on the screen like they used to do with Revis back in the day where it was just like his absurd list of people that he had locked down. So if the number were lower, I wouldn't feel as good about Sauce, but when it's plus 1,000, I'll, I'll throw my 100 bucks down on there. He'll be going up against, um, yeah, a lot. Russell Wilson with all of his weapons and yep. then DK Metcalf. Like he has a lot of hard opponents. So if he can do it, I mean, and they're able to show those stats. He should win it out. He was great lockdown quarter in college. We'll see what, if he can take that jump into the NFL and still be as good, but I really love him. I thought that was a great pick by the Jets. I love him. I interviewed him that week and I was like, Hey, you know that you're going to have a target on your back, right? Cause you never gave up a touchdown in college. And I told him like, you know, this just in, someone's going to score a touchdown on you in the NFL. And he <laughs> did not like that. He was like, mm, I don't really plan on that happening. <laughs> I just, I love his attitude. He's great. Yeah, he's he's a good one. And I love that he's going by Sauce. Like, that's his official name on the roster. Love that. That's fantastic. I did feel a little weird calling him a mod, like, when we started the interview, because, like, nobody called, everybody calls him Sauce, because his name is Sauce, which, by the way. Then why didn't you call him Sauce? I eventually did. Okay. Second best name in the draft is a safety, undrafted free agent, Smoke Monday. How good is that name? <laughs> There's a Snoop Connor. You don't like that? Snoop. That's not as good as Smoke Monday. <laughs> like, it That's sounds good. like a piece of advice, not a name. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the 49ers draft a little bit. You mentioned Drake Jackson plus 3,000 to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. I don't think he's going to see enough snaps to even be in that conversation, Michelle. I think what they are going to do with him is they're going to say second and long and third downs. That's your time to shine, baby. Get in there and rush the quarterback. Uh, yeah, I think this pick was really good. But I do remember us talking last episode, and I asked you, what is the one position you don't want them to go with in the second round? And your answer was edge. So when it came through, it was like, okay, this is a good player. Like, I like the pick. He has a ton of upside, only 20 years old. He's a big boy, 6'3", 273 pounds, productive uh, in college. And I think he's going to be really good uh, next to Nick Bosa. It's just like, okay, you use it on edge. Then hopefully, you know, the rest of your draft, you focus on your needs a little bit. And they didn't well, totally do that. But I like the Drake Jackson pick. The other thing is they've tried to fill this edge role. They tried it with D Ford, which for the one year it worked. They got what they wanted, but they've tried to fill it with Ebicam. They've tried to fill it with other players and they haven't been able to find that guy. And it's like, if you can't reliably fill that role with an established NFL player who you don't have to project, it does make me a little nervous that you're not trying to fill it with a draft pick who obviously, like you said, 
20 years old. There's a lot of projection there. Hopefully they got it right, but we just don't know. Yeah. I like this pick though. I think he's going to be a really good player. It was, it was like, it came through. I was like, okay, an edge. That's kind of the one spot we were like, oh, okay. Cause they always, you know, go defense early, defensive line early, but I, I, I do really like this pick. I think it was the best pick of their draft. It was their first pick. So hopefully like normally that happens where your first selection is the best one. Uh, but then that's kind of where it goes downhill for me. Uh, while you are much higher than, you know, I am on the rest of the draft class. I will say I'm with consensus, the consensus rankings of these draft classes, the 49ers are sitting at 28th. So people are more on my side. Then you're That's biased. Fine. That doesn't bother me. And I admit I'm probably am biased. Uh, the other thing I like really quick about the Drake Jackson pick, Nick Bosa called him after he was picked. Like Drake Jackson should just be on Nick Bosa's hip every second that they are together. Just do everything Nick Bosa does from the workouts to the preparation to the, you know, the technical moves, the pass rush moves that Bosa uses. Like that's one of his great strengths is he's very technically sound. Like just you got to be on that guy's hip because that is a perfect person to learn from. Uh, then the 49ers went with Ty Davis Price. And this, when it was first made, I was really stunned. I knew they were going to go running back. I didn't think they'd go running back this high. The more I've been reading about it and listening to what people are saying, I think he leads the team in rushing this year, Michelle. Fine, but you could have gotten anyone else to lead the team in rushing, or you could have waited two rounds. Ty Davis Price was projected to be a fifth or sixth, seventh round guy. Uh, I just don't think you needed to take him at the 93rd overall pick. And you could say, well, it just takes one other team to take him. What it killed you if another team take took Davis Price? Then just take a different running back. I don't. I think they waste of a pick. And I'm, I don't want to hear anymore that Kyle Shanahan can get, you know, production out of any running back, right? Any cheap running back off, off a free agency or any late round draft pick or any free agent in a draft class. I don't want to hear that anymore because it doesn't matter because he keeps using premium draft picks and he keeps paying guys in free agency just not to use them. So it's not like you're saving any money. It's not like you're saving any draft picks because you keep using them anyways just to use other guys. So you finding these gems, you're not you you know you're not getting any benefit from it because then you're just not using your earlier draft picks and you're not using the guys you paid like Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman. They drafted Joe Williams in the fourth, never even used them. They traded up for Trey Sermon last year and never even used them. So it's like cool, you found your cheap guys, but you're just wasting picks elsewhere. Right. The benefit of being able to find the guys later in the draft is that you then wouldn't have to invest resources early on because you're good at finding the late round picks, but they have been willing to invest the resources in that spot. I think that Jarek McKinnon, you know, he tore his ACL and that kind of changed his trajectory with the 49ers, but that's always a possibility with any position, especially running back. I think that they got really nervous because last year their running back situation just deteriorated after the first game. Raheem Moster got hurt. Elijah Mitchell got hurt. There was no Jeff Wilson. They were like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? So I think that Kyle was like, we got to have a zillion guys. But your point of, that's fine. Take a guy, just do it later. I understand that. You got to take the same guy later. So, okay. That's a fair criticism. But now they, they have, just, picked, they have picked him. They have him. Yeah, they have him. 
Okay. So what is he like? He played. I don't know. I never even heard of this guy until the draft. And I did a ton of research on running backs and wide receivers. Never heard of this man. So he played at 229 last year, which is one of the biggest uh, in the draft. And Adam Peters, the GM, said that he had one of the top five GPS speeds among running backs. He reached uh, it was against LSU or I'm sorry, it was against Alabama. LSU is the team he played for. So if he's a nice combination of size and speed, yeah, maybe you could have got him later, but we're past that now. He's on the team. Is he going to be any good is my question. I don't know, but I think that Kyle is envisioning him as the workhorse pound, pound, pound with this giant person. And then we bring in Elijah Mitchell to spell him. That keeps Mitchell fresh and he is the speed guy and can kind of bust some big plays. That's what I'm thinking they are thinking. Who do you think the speed guy is? Ty? Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Ty ran a four, four, eight. Like I'm wondering if in that Alabama game where he had that super high speed compared to other people, maybe he had a ton of space and he got up to that speed. Um, Cause I don't know if he has all the burst in the world. Right. That like, matters too. Yep. Um, I'm trying to see here what his uh, 10 split time was at the combine real quick. Um, it was 1.53. 1.5. Yeah. So that's decent. That's pretty good. I don't know his. So for those of you who use player profiler, it's a, it's a website and they show you the best comp for another player at his position with his workout metrics at the combine. And then his college performance, all of his production, they use that to compare him to someone. His comparison is Wayne Gallman, which clearly the 49ers were interested in Wayne Gallman last year. So that kind of goes, they try to work him out. It didn't work out. Uh, they cut him, but sure. I just, I'm fine with this pick if it's in the fifth round or even in the fourth round. The Your second pick in the draft should not have been spent on a guy that you're reaching on, a running back that you're reaching on a couple of rounds. That's all I'm saying. The one thing I liked about him that I heard was that he's, he can pass protect a little bit. And he specifically mentioned it in his first presser with the team about how he recognizes that that's how he's going to get on the field and he's going to make an effort to be solid there. I like that. Like Oof. his vert was 30 and his broad run was nine, nine, not good burst metrics. Okay. Brutal. The next time that he was... has to do a freaking vertical leap on the field, I'll worry about That's that. about your, I mean, it does show your burst a little bit, like a lot bit, but it's okay. So yeah, I understand like the timing of the pick is one thing, but now that he's on the team, you know, I, I think that he's going to be the guy that Kyle leans on. I think that they, have kind of lost faith in Elijah Mitchell's ability to stay healthy. He was so banged up last year. He's coming off knee surgery. So we'll see next pick Danny gray, the wide receiver out of SMU freaking grease lightning fast as hell. The only thing I worry about Michelle is he does have some drops in his history and it would be the most 49ers thing ever to go from a quarterback that cannot hit wide open wide receivers to now a receiver that cannot catch the ball when it's delivered perfectly to him. Yeah. I, I, I like the Danny gray pick. I think it's all right. You know, he's never had more than 22% of his college receiving yards in a season, which the metric you want to hit is 30%. Like normally all the guys that's never hit 30%. They're not anything at the NFL level. He's only at 22% as his highest year. Uh, so that scares me a little bit. He He's a speedster. So, right, if that's the role you're looking for and you just want a guy that can open up the offense a little bit, keep defenses honest, that's your guy. I think 
Uh, I like Calvin Austin better, and this was before the Steelers pick. Yes, I know he landed mm-hmm. with the Steelers. That's not sure. why I'm saying it. I do like Calvin Austin better as a player, but he's much shorter and smaller than Danny Gray. So if they weren't looking for the smaller guy and they were looking for a taller speedster, then fine. Uh, go with Danny Gray. But his production's a little bit worrisome. But he does have the speed. I mean, he has the tools, right? And we know Kyle Shanahan can get more out of his playmakers. So I'm fine with this Danny Gray pick. I will say Jalen Tolbert went just a couple picks ahead of them with that first third round pick. I would have rather them just trade up for him, but whatever. If he was going to be like, like if this was a Packer situation where you're really depending on him to like eventually be the lead guy, I'd be a little worried because he does have 10 drops the past two years, but they've got Ayuk, they've got Debo, they've got Jawan Jennings. Like he's going to fill a specific role. They're going to use him to stretch the field. They're going to use him, I think, on some screens and some shorter passes like that. He's very good with the ball in his hands. I think he was top five in yards after catch out of any receiver in the draft. So they're going to find ways to get him the ball. I think the thinking again is like, let's keep the training wheels on Trey Lance a little bit. If we've got a bunch of guys that can catch short passes and make plays after the fact, that's going to take the pressure off of Lance. So I think that he kind of fits a lot of roles for the Niners. So it's just another one of those picks where it was like, okay, third round, his best comparable is to John Hightower, who I really like John Hightower coming out of school. And I like Danny Gray. I think he's good. John Hightower was a fifth round pick. Danny Gray goes as a third. I will say Calvin Austin's best comparable was, is Hollywood Brown, who I already really like Hollywood Brown and the Ravens. Uh, wanted Calvin Austin with that pick and this jumped them. They traded up for Calvin Austin right before the Ravens. So I, I do love that. But again, I'm just comparing these two guys because they are speedster. That's their roles. Um, I just think Calvin Austin offers more upside, but I guess riskier with the small body. It just, again, would you have died if you didn't get Danny Gray? Maybe you could have filled an interior offense lineman here or grabbed a safety but they went with Danny Gray. It's a fine pick. Again, like these picks are fine. I just didn't love the draft class. That's all. You mentioned the offensive line. We don't have to dive into all of them specifically, but I think it's interesting what they kind of did between their the guys that they picked, Spencer Burford and Nick Zakel, and then some of their undrafted free agents, uh, Jason Poe, the ridiculously athletic offensive lineman from Mercer, and Donovan West from Arizona State. I feel like they just grabbed a bunch of lottery tickets. They were like, we're going to get a bunch of guys who are athletic and we're just going to let the chips fall where they may. Some of them were, you know, tackles in college. We're going to move them inside to guard. Maybe somebody was a guard in college. We might try them at center, but I think they are just basically like, here's a bunch of lottery tickets. We'll scratch them off. And whoever emerges from the pile, that's who we're going to go with, which I kind of understand because the draft essentially is the lottery. Well, if that's the case, can you just take a couple of running backs late or like take a running back late and then grab a couple of free agents since that's what you've been hitting on anyways, and then maybe use a more premium pick on a guy that can be, you know, you could trust a little bit more, especially when the offensive line makes the running backs anyways, right? Like if you have no interior offensive line, which they're kind of sitting at right now, I think that would have more impact on your running game than drafting a running back in the third. It's kind of like the Steelers taking Najee Harris in the first last year, but didn't fix their offensive line. (laughs) That's not going to help your running game. You need to fix the offensive line before you worry about who's running behind that line. They seem to go with a lot of guys with athletic traits. Like, hey, 
you're 6'4 and have 34-inch arms. We can't teach that. We'll take you, and then we'll figure out how to develop you. It seems like that was kind of their overall philosophy with the whole draft, particularly with the offensive line. I'm excited. I'm, I think I'm more excited about Poe and Donovan, Donovan West. Donovan West is a really nice signing. I love that free agent, the undrafted free agent signing. I mean, PFF had him as a third-round draft pick, as a third-round draft prospect. I think he could be the future center for the 49ers. Uh, so I love that signing. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if he was their fifth, sixth round draft pick. So for them to get him as an undrafted free agent, that's really nice. Oh, wow. That almost sounded like a compliment to the 49ers. I would have loved to come into this podcast and gave them a ton of compliments on this draft class. I just, every time they picked, I said, why? (laughs) Like, Why? You could have got them a couple rounds later. I mean, they reached on pretty much every single one of the draft picks besides Drake Jackson. The other thing to remember about, uh, Donovan West is he's from Arizona state. The 49ers have a really good relationship with Herm Edwards, the coach of the sun devils. They value, you know, they really trust him. They feel like he gives them kind of an accurate read on guys. So the fact that they went out and got him, you know, maybe you can feel a little better about Donovan West than maybe say some other random undrafted free agent. Although I, I admit I am like talking myself into every single draft pick and every single undrafted free agent. They're all going to be pro bowlers. Like I'm super optimistic about all of them. Let's get to the corners now, because I think this is where you and I are going to disagree the most. Samuel Womack and Tariq Castro-Fields, the two corners that the Niners took in the draft, they seem to be getting more love for the Castro-Fields pick, from what I've seen, than the Samuel Womack pick. I like the Womack move. You're not as high on it as I am. I don't really know much about him. I'm not going to lie. I just know that he wasn't in, like, when I was working on the draft, Nowhere to be found in Daniel Jeremiah's, you know, rankings. He was 45th ranked corner for Dan Bugler. He wasn't even in PFF's draft guide whatsoever, wasn't listed. So, I mean, this is why I haven't heard of him, right? Because I, when I'm doing my research, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm looking at other people's draft guides, I'm looking at rankings to see who I should look into more and do research on. So I never even saw this guy's name to do research on him. So I'm not... I'm not saying I think he has the intangibles. I think it's a fine fifth round draft pick. It's just maybe, you know, could have got him later, but who really cares at 172? I'm not worried. This isn't why I'm saying the 49ers kind of had an interesting draft. You know, he's a project. And if they can turn him into something, then fine. I, I think he's a better uh, project than Tariq Castro field. So I'm with you there. I love the fact that Samuel Womack makes plays on the ball. None of the 49ers secondary does that. Amory Thomas last year would be in perfect position to make a play on the ball. And then the ball would get there and he would be like a deer in the headlights. And he was, I don't know what to do. And it would be either completion or penalty or, or just disaster for the 49ers. Womack led his conference in pass breakups three straight years. He led every corner in the NCAA, I believe in pass breakups last year. I love that. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's 5'9", but he has arms the same length as Richard Sherman, who obviously is much bigger. I think Sherman's like 6'2", something like that. So that's impressive. I think that obviously helps him make plays on the ball. I just like that the 49ers recognize like, hey, we don't have this in the secondary. We need this. And they took a guy that does that. So I hope that translates. That's the only reason why I'm excited about him. 
I'm fine with the Samuel Womack and the Clea Davis picks. I think those are projections. They have the intangibles. They can be good. And they had the, like they shown flashes in college and had the production. Like I like those two picks, uh, Tariq Castro fields. I'm fine with the pick. Also, they, at least they waited till the sixth round to take him. He is a physical, really fast monster for four, three, eight, six, one, 197 pounds. Like he has the body. Now his production was pretty brutal. Only 15 pass breakups and nearly 1300 coverage snaps, uh, 29% missed tackle rate. So like his production was really, really bad, uh, but he has the body and he has the speed. So let's see if they can, he's a, a completely developmental guy. He n- might not even make the team, but, uh, we'll see if the 49ers can fix his issues. To be that big and run that fast is pretty damn impressive. Yeah. His like, you can't yards. find those guys anywhere. So, I think that's why they took a shot on him in the sixth right. to see if they can fix his issues. I am fine with these late round draft picks. Fine. It's just, it all came falling down with that Ty Davis price pick. Let's be honest. You love Trey Sermon. He was your draft cross, crush last year. The second he was picked, you were messaging me how much yeah, you loved, loved him. him. And then they didn't. Cut him. They didn't even use him last year, and you're Cut you're, him. you're sour about that. You're yeah, a jilted lover. I am. Cut him. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they're going to cut him. I think I actually am kind of excited about the running back room. Elijah Mitchell, TDP, Trey Sermon, and then throw in, like, if you want to throw Jeff Wilson in there, great. Like, I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm comfortable with all those guys. If you don't plan to use Trey Sermon, cut him. Well, I think they're they're not planning on it. They would prefer not to, but I think they know they're probably going to have to because just dudes are going to go down. Um, before we get out of here, the next time we speak, the 49ers schedule will be out. Bits and pieces of it are going to leak next week. They're doing all these hokey announcements with like one network is going to release one game on the early and like, just give me the friggin' schedule already. Comes I'll know out. it on Wednesday. You will? Okay, well then you will you send it to me so I can get I an early I look? Can't, <laughs> I can't share it, but I will know it on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like super, super, super excited. It's one of my favorite days of the year. The order of the games is massively important, but I think it's especially important for the 49ers because they're dealing with a young quarterback, because they have an, a tremendous amount of coaching turnover as well. I think it's going to take them a few weeks to get their pants on. I think they'll be a much better team later in the year. So I would like to see their tougher games later in the year so that, you know, the best version of the 49ers can face those teams. You have a pick, though, for who you want the Niners to open with, which is an interesting one because obviously that's probably going to be Trey Lance's first game and all of that. So who is your pick? So obviously you want it to be a home game, right, for Trey Lance. You don't want him to have to travel right away. Okay. They, do ha- they have some harder harder competition here with defenses, but I will say I kind of want it to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Whoa. In week one. So this is where I'm going here, right? The Chiefs are going to be a good team. They're always going to be a good team with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. But I, I think they're going to get better as the season goes on. But the reason why I want Trey Lance to go against the Chiefs week one is because A, it would be a huge game. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes versus Trey Lance. There there would be pressure on him, but I think it would be the best for his the secondary he's going against. The Chiefs just lost uh, their starting corner, which now the 49ers have him, Traverius Wards. So that would be a fun little storyline. And Tyron Matthew. Now they did move up in the draft to take Trent McDuffie and then they signed or they got Justin Reed from the Texans, but these are all new guys for them. So it's going to take time 
for them to get better. I don't want them to face them later when they already have the NFL experience or the experience with the Chiefs. And then they have a lot of new weapons on offense with Juju and their Sky Moore. It's going to take time for those guys to gel in games. Get that game over with week one, where it's their first game all together. And Trey Lance can pick apart that secondary that's brand new. Like, I, I want that game. Because imagine Trey Lance beats Patrick Mahomes. Just imagine that. Uh, immediate, immediate confidence and the whole country talking about him. I mean, that would be... That'd be an incredible way to start the year. And honestly, like there's an argument to be made that he doesn't even necessarily have to win that game, right? If he just plays really well, but Mahomes goes God mode and they lose, people would be like, hey, Trey Lance, you know, he hung tough against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I oh man, that would be wild to start it off. That would be I don't such know, a good first game. Like, welcome to the welcome, Trey. <laughs> baptism by fire. But if I had but to But I pick, also don't think it's that hard either because the secondary should be a little bit weaker. Uh, to start off the season, we saw them struggle last year to start off the season. I think it's even going to be worse now without their team. Like Tyron Matthew was the heart of that defense. It's going to take a second to replace that. And I don't think Trent McDuffie, a rookie, is going to come in week one and dominate. Like and imagine him having to cover Debo or Ayuk. It's going to it's going to be a struggle. We've seen the Chiefs defense kind of struggle a little bit earlier in the year and then kind of round into form as we get closer to playoff time. So that's a possibility as well. Um, if I had to make a pick though, I mean, when you see the big W on the schedule and you have an opportunity to play Washington week one at home, I mean, how do I turn that down? First of all, it's Washington, like the dumpster fire of a franchise. We don't even know like what's going to be happening with their owner at that point. Carson Wentz's first year there. Now, granted, Carson Wentz has beaten the 49ers the last two times he has played them both, uh, is both in Levi's, I think too. Um, so that's obviously not ideal, but Chase Young is coming off of a torn ACL. It'll be his first game back. You know, there's, despite what people say, there's, there's always a little bit of uncertainty there. Your first game back from a major knee injury. I don't think he's going to be hundred percent Chase Young. I just, I'll take my chances with Kyle Shanahan against Ron Rivera. Shanahan hates the Washington franchise, hates them because of what went down when he and his father were there. Uh, he's going to want to stick it to them, give him extra time to prepare for it. Plus, he's got a shiny new toy in Trey Lance. Give me Washington week one. Let Trey go out there and beat them down. And then, boom, we're off and running. But what happens then if Trey Lance loses to Washington? Look, right? This is a game that everyone expects him to win. And then no one's really going to even be paying attention to this game outside of 49ers fans because it's yep. Washington. And then if they end up losing, it's like, ooh, Trey Lance couldn't beat Washington. If they lose to the Chiefs, it's, oh, they couldn't beat. Yeah, you weren't supposed to beat Patrick Mahomes anyways. I don't, I don't like know. That it could mindset. be a little bit. It could be scarier. That That's putting up more risk. It's It's more risky. I don't like that mindset, Michelle. I don't like that loser mentality. It's the same thing people say about going for it on fourth down. What if you don't get it? You don't think it's a loser mentality to want the worst team in week one? How is that any different? You're choosing the worst opponent to go up against. You're saying, I want the easy game. How yeah. is that not loser mentality? Because I think he's going to win. I'm not sitting there saying, what if he loses to Washington? I'm not scared about that scenario. I drafted this guy to win. <laughs> So let's go. I think he's going to beat Patrick Mahomes and I'm going for the ceiling here. I'm going for the glory play. If he, I actually think they'll beat the chiefs in week one. And if you do that, that just puts him at such a good 
starting spot to start the season with so much confidence with everyone talking about Trey Lance and how he beat Patrick Mahomes. No one's going to care if he beats like, what's the upside here? He beats Washington. Who cares? No one's going to care. That's okay. Like, yeah, I'm not, it's Washington. Cause I'm not worried about how much credit we get from the outside. What I'm saying is just get a nice win, ease into the season, get a little confidence and you're off and running. That's my prediction. You I know also- what I would love? I would love the chiefs and then commanders. So he can, Play the Chiefs, he's on a high, and then you go right into that Washington game. Nice and easy. I also want to see them play the Cardinals at some point in the first six weeks while DeAndre Hopkins is suspended. Now, I know they're going to play the road. It's not a road game. It's the Mexico game in week 11 on Monday Night Football against the Cardinals. So the home game against the Cardinals would be the one that would be early in the season. I hope it is uh, because, obviously, not having to face DeAndre Hopkins is a, is a bonus. So those are the two things I'll be looking at for the 49ers schedule. But we will break that all down next week. I cannot wait. One of my favorite shows of the entire season. All I right. think the Dolphins would be one of the worst ones hmm. to be first, just because you don't know how they're going to utilize those weapons. Uh, and then it's just a brand-new offense, and then you're going up against like, – it's it, it just – Mike McDaniels, right? And then that would just be that's a sneaky that's a sneaky pick for for early game, like a prime time game, because there's yeah. a lot of storylines there. But yeah, I don't want to see necessarily uh Chavarius Ward go up against Tyree Kill week one. That's, that's no, that wouldn't be good. fun. That would be a bad like that. I'm rooting against that one. I'm rooting against Tom Brady coming to San Francisco week one. Like, please don't do that to them. Like, none of that, none of that. But uh, it should be fun. Maybe it could be an away game, right? It could be the Raiders. That game against Brady is going to be prime time because it's Brady going to San Francisco. He wanted to be a 49er. They're going to tell us how he was at the game the catch game, the Joe Montana game, all this stuff, right? And he kind of was a little salty that the Niners didn't want him when he left New England. Like, that's going to be a primetime game. They're going to build that thing up. This schedule is not easy for the 49ers. It's going to be, they're going to earn it if they get back to the playoffs next year. Their away games aren't bad. You got the Panthers, you got the Falcons, you got the Bears. Yes, all their toughest games are at home, which I always like. Yeah, that's nice. That is nice, but I'm so excited. I love schedule release. I just oh, love it. Oh, it's so great. And like, yeah, I know all these people, they always try to poo-poo. You're predicting games that are going to be played in January of 2023. Yes. Yes, I am. And you know what? If I'm wrong, who gives a shit? Like, it's just fun to do in the moment. Like, is that the worst thing ever? Can I have a little fun, please? And we're going to get to talk about this right on Friday morning, right after it came out Thursday night. It's going to be a blast. That episode next week should be a lot of fun. Make sure you subscribe now, follow whatever word you want to use because you don't want to miss it. It is going to be so much fun. And again, leave your ratings and your reviews. If you have a pick that you want to see for week one in the Niners schedule, leave it in your review. I promise you we will read it on the show. Michelle, I don't know what your weekend plans are, but I hope you have a hell of a weekend. Thank you. I hope you have a great weekend as well. And everyone has a great weekend. Bye, y'all.